0: Today on city Cash Chicago, after months of campaigning and promises, now it's time to talk about what kind of mayor, commissioner, Brandon Johnson will be. And there's a new city council in town. We've got results from some of the aldermanic runoffs. It's Wednesday, April 5th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. There was a whole lot of celebrating and dancing at the Johnson camp last night where the mayor-elect painted a bright picture of Chicago's future under his leadership. Today, the dream is alive. And so today, we celebrate the revival and the resurrection of the city of Chicago. It is time for Chicago to come alive. Come alive Chicago, my name is Brandon Johnson and I can't wait to be sworn in as the next mayor of the greatest city in the world, Chicago. His opponent Paul Vallis took a conciliatory tone when he addressed his supporters last night. Even
1: though of course we believe every vote should be counted, I called Brandon Johnson and told him that I absolutely expect him to be the next mayor of Chicago. And and please, 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 please. It's critically, critically important. I mean, this campaign that I ran to bring the city together uh, would not be uh, a a campaign that fulfilled my ambitions if this election is going to divide
0: us more. It's 5 a.m. and I'm here with lead producer Carrie Shepard and producer Simone Alisea, who, again, I just want to thank y'all for all of the, the time, effort, critical coverage y'all have put in over these last months and months of election coverage. Uh, it, it was our first uh, sort of municipal election together as a team. But before we get into the results, you know, everybody wants to talk about turnout when we look at our election. So, Simone, I got to bring you in here as our our numbers guru. How did wards break down in terms of votes?
1: Yeah, by the end of election night, we were looking at about 35% citywide turnout. Um, which is really good that's better than what we saw on election night in february um, and overall after the mail in ballots were, coded, were counted in february we saw like a 36% citywide turnout so we're on track to to beat what we saw in in february um and it's also a little higher than it's it's higher than what we saw in 2019 as well during the the generals and the runoffs there um and you know, as I mentioned, we do still have mail in ballots to count. Um, So all of the numbers that you might hear in this conversation could shift a little bit. Um, As a result, we have, you know, in February, they counted something like 50,000 vote by mail ballots after, you know, election day. Um, The Chicago Board of Elections has until April 18th, to count all those, certify the results, and then put out an official proclamation uh, around that time.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the things I kept hearing last night as I was flipping through the channels, kind of looking through the election coverage, is that you know, when you started to look at the breakdown of, you know, who on what demographics, um, a lot of attention was starting to be paid towards, you know, 18 to 24 year olds, 25 to 35, because the the thought was that they would likely if they come out, they'll be part of that undecided block that might carry Commissioner Johnson over. What well, was that the case when you look at younger voters that 18 all the way up to maybe 35, even 40? What did that participation look like?
1: I mean, certainly we saw a really big increase, particularly in that 18 to 24 category. I mean, about, you know, more than 5,000 more young people came out to vote in April than they did in February. Um, And so that's like a, it's like a, you know, a third more than, than who came out in, in February. Granted, you know, they're still only making up about 4% of the overall vote that, that block. Um, So it's not. You know, it's still not huge when you compare it to, uh, you know, our 35 and overs, um, but it it is a a pretty remarkable difference. And I do think it speaks to a lot of the organizing that that's that's happened over Mm -hmm. the course of this campaign
0: yeah one thing you've heard from johnson's camp and even valice's camp last night is that what they believe wanted for johnson was not only this this swell of energy from the organizing community but this ground game that got out that talked to youth voters that was in community centers that was knocking on people's doors doing the mailers doing the 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 text groups together we had the opportunity to sit down with commissioner brandon johnson last month Uh, and for people who might not be familiar with his story brandon johnson uh, was raised in a home with nine other siblings out in elgin a suburb on the west uh, uh a western suburb of chicago his career and journey to city hall largely started as a public school teacher on the near north side uh in the cabrini green neighborhood uh he transitioned into being a lobbyist and organizer with the chicago teachers union uh helping to rally the, the chicago teachers union in recent labor negotiations uh, uh even leading to a strike in, in 2015 and then once again under the life of the administration uh trying to fight for more services uh uh, Brandon Johnson then went on in 2018 to win uh, a Cook County commissioner seat in the 1st district with stretches uh, from the west side where he raises a family uh, with his wife and three kids in the Austin neighborhood all the way out to uh, Maywood suburb. Uh, and during that time Johnson has talked that uh, much of his focus has been on investing in public services. Uh, sort of uh, deep divesting from sort of the carceral systems and thinking of alternative ways of policing. Uh, and, and throughout his campaign, you saw Johnson really focusing on investing in people. Right. He talked about trying to advocate for environmental issues. You saw Johnson talking about investing in neighborhood schools, providing uh, more money for youth employment. Uh, And a campaign that five or six months ago, I don't think any single political pundit, any person watching the mayoral election thought that Brandon Johnson had enough name recognition and enough support
2: to come out on
0: top. (laughs) And now we're here April 5th uh, and and Johnson will in the next month and a half be inaugurated. Carrie, Simone we got to talk about these sort of big issues that his campaign was centered around right with the history as a public school teacher as somebody who worked closely with the Chicago Teachers Union education is where a lot of Johnson's focus uh, is a lot of where Johnson put his focus early in this campaign through um, and throughout so so where does Johnson fall when it comes to the, the future of Chicago public schools.
2: So Jacoby, yeah, I think you nailed it with that bio. Like a key tenant that he was going to rely on on his campaign was his education bona fides, because that's where his, you know, the primor- primarily where he spent his his career, um, very starkly different than his opponent Paul Vallis, uh, but in line with what we have heard from the Chicago Teachers Union, which isn't, you know, super surprising. He wants to end this idea of he actually called it this Hunger Games style form of funding that, you know, the school that funding is totally tied to enrollment. So what you see in that situation is you have these these schools that are losing enrollment, which is a big issue in Chicago public schools right now. But mostly, you know, in black and brown neighborhoods, they don't get the resources they need, which leads to this cycle that they close, which we saw 10 years ago this year when former Mayor Rahm Emanuel closed 50 schools in mostly brown and black neighborhoods. So he, uh, Johnson, made it very clear he does not want that anymore. He wants to take this sort of holistic approach and make sure student schools have all the funding they need and including the money that they're owed from Springfield.
0: He wants to embrace the the the, the funding formula that, that would get Chicago about a billion more dollars from the state yes. to use inside of Chicago public schools.
2: Exactly. And another big thing that we hear is uh, this wraparound services, which is kind of a catch term. But what that means is basically uh, Johnson and, and the current leadership at Teachers Union, they really want to see each student. you know, their education is more than outside the classroom. So they really want to, you know, help students, services, programs that serve the whole student, which take into account students that are living in poverty, that take into account students that are living trauma from living in violence-ridden neighborhoods. He is saying, look, it's, education is so much more than just what happens in the classroom. He's also going to have to negotiate a new contract with the Chicago Teachers Union alongside his f- former colleagues. And um, the moratorium on school closures, that's going to be lifted in 2025 during his tenure yeah. as mayor.
0: A $600 million budget deficit yep. is coming up. Yep. An elected school board is coming up. The future of Chicago public schools, we talked about it over and over and over, both with ourselves, with our colleagues. Um, it's It's at a very... Um, critical moment totally and the decisions that are made over these next four years will shape chicago public schools for for the near future um th- throughout johnson's campaign you know he often talked about wanting to bring nuance to these conversations and, th- and that's not just education and the investments he plans to make there but time and time again the poll showed that for many people in chicago Public safety, whatever that means to you, was one of these top issues. And so, of course, uh, Johnson did his best to center this throughout the conversation uh, in this campaign. Simone, what is Johnson's positions on public safety?
1: Yeah, so Johnson's public safety plan has primarily focused on services that are not policing, right? About reopening mental health clinics, getting health professionals to respond to crisis calls, you know, housing, unhoused residents, jobs for youth, that those sorts of things have kind of been the basis of what he thinks will reduce violence in the city, reduce crime in the city, um, essentially trying to kind of hit those issues at the source. Um, Now, as far as the policing goes, you know, he has said he wants to promote more detectives within uh, the Chicago Police Department ranks, Um, but he hasn't really been that interested uh, in hiring more officers and filling, uh, uh, you know, a a bunch of vacancies like his opponent has, Paul Vallis has called for. Um, And that was sort of this, that was sort of the big debate throughout the campaign, right, was, uh, you know, to what degree is, is staffing up the police department the answer one of the answers what role does that play in reducing crime uh in chicago um he was sort of dogged by this by this question o- over the course of the campaign of like do you plan to defund the police quote unquote mm. um and especially in the later weeks uh of the race really tried to distance himself from that kind of language, you know, says he does not support defunding the police. But he has said he does want to look at the police budget. How is it being used? Is it being used equitably? Um, And so that is a question moving forward of, of, you know, kind of it was a tightrope. He was walking while he was running. And what side of the Mm -hmm. tightrope is he going to kind of come down on uh, now that he's now that he's actually in office?
0: Exactly, because though he made no promises to sort of get back to that 2019 staffing level, people then ask, okay, so well, what would you, you know, do with that money? Will will you reappropriate it? Will you leave it in the budget? You know, if you get all of these, you know, sort of additional services that pull away from the responsibilities of law enforcement in this city, well, will what will you do with potentially those cost saving? And now that he's actually uh, going to be you know, inaugurated as the next mayor. I wonder how his tone changes on the conversation, because even as you listen to his uh, acceptance speech, you know, he still made room for law enforcement. He still considers, you know, the future of Chicago uh, to have a a connection to law enforcement. And we'll see as we move forward sort of what he thinks that breakdown, that balance, that relationship uh, should look like. your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Let's be real. We, we saw a lot of uh, big questions being asked to Johnson, whether it, it, it's his taxation plan. You see a lot of fear mongering from people like John Catanzaro, the leader of the FOP, who said, oh, there's going to be blood in the streets if Brandon Johnson wins. So now we're here, April 5th. I, I got to ask y'all, uh, you know, Kerry, what were some of those big questions Johnson faced on the campaign trail and, and how did he navigate around them?
2: I think um, Simone nailed it with like past comments about defunding the police, which he later clarified. Um, But also in, you know, this he faced these and he's going to continue to face these, which is um, how's he going to pay for all these plans? You know, his opponent, Paul Vallis, uh, is a budget wonk, so he's sort of. He's sort of shorter on big plans, more on here's how I'm going to pay for what we've got. And, you know, Johnson is a progressive and he has big ideas and he, the big questions are, how are you going to fund it? Well, it always comes down to, <laughs> are you going to raise property taxes? Um, the reality is to pay for all of the things he has, all of his ideas, but also... Um, all the problems he's inheriting in terms of budgets uh, shortfalls is it's probably going to have to rely on a property tax um, hike. But so, I, you know, you said it, Jacoby, I think it's more just a lack of maybe experience in terms of management um, of how he's going to manage the city that, you know, Paul Vallis went after that a lot. Um, we should note, though, that Brandon Johnson it has had has been elected to public office before. Paul Vallis has not, in that Brandon Johnson is a Cook County Commissioner. So he faced a lot of that from Vallis on the campaign trail.
0: Yeah. So much of it came down to how are we gonna pay for it? And your your options really are, as you said, it's taxation raising revenue. And, and Brandon Johnson has put out some some plans for you know raising this kind of money. Anything from accommodations taxes, hotel taxes, taxes on businesses who have majority of the employees working outside of Chicago, uh, taxation on real estate transfers over a million dollars, jet fuel tax. And one of the things we brought up in our conversation with Johnson in our interview is well, a lot of the places you are saying you're going to go after taxes, right? You know, a lot of these impact people maybe who don't live in Chicago, people are visiting in Chicago. So on the campaign trail, it's easy to say, but these are often industries that have very large lobbying bodies that are going to fight taxation in a lot of ways. Uh, And, you know, one thing Mariah Wolfle pointed out in the conversation her and I recently had was, you know, he could promise that he won't raise property taxes. But as we've said, that's not the only thing that factors in. So mm-hmm. I won't raise your property taxes and your property tax bill won't go up are not the same. Very, thing. Different. Very different. Right. Yeah. And no candidate can promise you that that bill won't go up. Uh, but, Simone, you also watched Brandon Johnson have to navigate a lot of dog whistling, both during the campaign season um, from from opponents, you know, but you know people said you're trying to make this about race to people who had gone at has experience you know what what do you expect from Johnson uh, sort of moving forward as um he tries to you know convince 49% of the city who did not vote for him that he has their best interest at heart
1: it's interesting cuz i think both johnson and vallis in their speeches last night spoke to a division in the city uh, right uh Vallis sort of speaking to you know uh, his his own supporters saying hey we got to work with uh with Johnson's administration and there was um you know kind of a kind of a, a groan from the audience um you know as far as like what is ahead one thing that I am going to be really interested interested to watch is, uh, for me, it's going to be all about budget season. It's going to be about the budget. Um, I, you know, to me, this is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to campaign promises. And I'm going to be basically looking at three things. A, you know, is is his budget going to look radically different than what we've seen from Mayor Lightfoot? Is he going to have some creative revenue raising ideas uh, presented in, in a budget in the fall? B, how is he working with this new city council, right? The city council has to approve that budget. They have shown interest in trying to flex some more muscles over that process. Is that mean it's going to be more combative or because you've got some some progressive alders in there, does that mean it's going to be even smoother sailing for for Johnson? We don't know yet. And then finally, I want to see in addition to what's actually in the budget what the dollars are. Does the the budgeting process change? You know, he didn't talk about this too much on the campaign trail, but sort of an overall progressive goal is to create a more participatory budgeting system so that when I go to a town hall, when I fill out a survey about what I think the city should spend money on, I have some confidence that the city's actually listening to me. I would be and that that kind of stuff can start as early as this summer. We may not get an actual budget until the fall, but but in terms of soliciting public opinion, that starts this summer. And so that to me is is like a first true test of okay, here's what the next 4 years under Johnson are going to look like.
0: Mhm. I don't think anybody moving forward should expect Johnson, who is inheriting, as we said, not only the problems of the the, the previous administrations, but generations uh, of issues that impact not just Chicago, but major cities across America. But the thing I will be watching for. As I see this energy coming out of the black organizing community in Chicago, when you think about labor organizing in this city, who very much have have sold this message. You listened to the speech last night that that we're waking up in a different Chicago where we see different possibilities, where the city and, and, you know, the fifth floor of City Hall will work for working class people. But we've been given so many of those promises and campaign seasons past. I want to see what actually. Can a mayor who started as a public school teacher and an organizer, how much of those values, how much of those promises actually align with the mechanisms of the democratic system we have in place is the the infrastructure the institution of chicago politics are they capable of delivering on those promises not simply is johnson able to craft policy and craft legislation that speaks to those values and direct money to programs that he believes invest in people invest in neighborhoods but is the political system of chicago built to deliver on those promises um You know, the energy across our city today is real. I think more people are invested in Chicago politics today than than maybe they were a, a few months ago. And I think that can bode well for our city. Reminder, Commissioner Brandon Johnson will officially be sworn in May 15th. Uh, But he won't be the only new person in Chicago politics, right? Our city council has finally been decided on. We have 14 automatic runoffs. We're going to talk about a few of those key races that we've been covering throughout campaign season, starting on my side of the city uh, with the fourth ward, which is my home war. It covers Hyde Park, Kenwood, Bronzeville, and South Loop. And unsurprisingly, state representative Lamont Robinson was able to beat Prentice Butler, uh, outgoing, alder person Sophia King's former chief of staff. And Lamont Robinson, the reason I say it was unsurprising, is because he came in with these major endorsements from people like Governor Pritzker, uh, Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle. And a lot of the issues here are about investment. When you think of Bronzeville, South Loop, what is the future of investment in these neighborhoods, particularly Bronze? A place that is still continuing its sort of slow gentrification process in the South Loop. Uh, you know, he's he's got a lot to think about when you start talking about Grant Park, the Bears maybe leaving Soldier Field. Uh, and, and so, you know, I'm interested to see what the future of my ward looks like. If you go a little bit uh, further south of me, you're starting to look at the Fifth Ward. That also includes parts of Hyde Park, but then Woodlawn and South Shore with retiring all person Leslie Harrison's endorsement. Community organizer Desmond Yancey was able to defeat former city official Martina Tina Home. And the big issue in South Shore is both the future of major developments like the Obama Center, uh, the film studios that's coming to the south side of South Shore and the future of affordable housing. You saw uh, during the February round of elections that overwhelmingly residents in parts of South Shore and Woodlawn voted for increased protections in their neighborhood to make sure that they are not priced out as these developments come in. Carrie, uh, I want to kick it to you. We're going to move a little further north to talk about the 11th Ward. Uh, What happened in, in, you know, this historically critical ward?
2: The 11th Ward, you say that is critical because it is the city's only Asian majority ward. So the This includes Chinatown, Armour Square, but then more Latino neighborhoods, one mix of Latino and white neighborhoods, McKinley Park, um, but also Bridgeport, the long uh, daily Democratic stronghold. And Nicole Lee, Alderwoman Nicole Lee, was elected. She was appointed by uh, Lightfoot after the former alder a daily uh, was convicted of on corruption charges. So Nicole Lee in the 11th.
0: Moving from the 11th war on the South side, further Northwest to the 30th war. What is the future of, you know, parts of Belmont, Cragen and Avondale?
2: Yep. Belmont, Cragen, Avondale, Irving park, Portage park is the 30th. This is a majority Latino ward. Um, Admissions director Ruth Cruz beat Jessica Gutierrez, and Jessica Gutierrez is the daughter of former U.S. Congressman Luis Gutierrez. Uh, Cruz had the backing of the outgoing alder, which, you know, some saw actually as an impediment to her. Maybe he, some thought he wasn't as independent as they wanted him to be. So she had distance or, distanced herself a little bit from that endorsement, but it was enough to uh, for Ruth Cruz to beat Jessica Gutierrez in the
0: 30th. And then to your home war of the 36th war on the uh, sort of near west, west side of the city.
2: Yep. 36th Ward, um, Ukrainian village, Humboldt Park, Montclair, Montclair. Uh, basically, this is the the quote unquote like snake weird noodle. Um uh, ward that runs along Grand Avenue uh northwest uh incumbent Gilbert Viegas was defeated CPS teacher and union organizer Lori Torres Witt Viegas at one point was um we'll see he was the latino he was the leader of the latino caucus in city council um he at one point was mayor Lightfoot's floor leader so um We'll see uh, what he kind of how independent he is and if in city council and the new city council um, and continue to watch kind of how he'll uh, he'll work with the
0: ward. Yeah, but he was hoping for a different job last we we're trying. He was trying to get up out of there. Now he was trying. He ran this. for congressman as well. He yeah. lost that. Yes. <laughs> now you got to deal with the snake. So we'll see how it works. Kicking it over to Pro- producer Samal Alicia. We got to hit up the 45th war on the northwest side. We got a lot of listeners up in that war. Uh Who is their alder person now?
1: Their alder person for a second term is uh Jim Gardner. Jim Gardner beat attorney Megan Matthias in uh, And so the 45th Ward covers Old Irving Park, Portage Park, Jefferson Park, and also parts of Forest Glen and Norwood Park. This was something we were watching because Gardner has faced just a series of allegations of uh, bribery, harassment, intimidation. Um, And it was thought that he would have a really tough path to re-election as a result of those allegations, Um, but actually did really well. on He did Fairly well in February, he almost he almost avoided a runoff altogether, um, and then did really well it, here in April as well, um, winning by you know some something like eleven percentage points. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how that sort of shakes out through his second term, how he deals with those allegations, and also what comes of ongoing investigations into his behavior in office, in addition to issues like business development that are are really big in the ward.
0: Mm-hmm. And then finishing out up near you uh, in the the 46 ward uh again we as we talked about wards that were sort of lake adjacent on the north and south side. Many of them, if not most of them, were getting new Alder persons. And, and that was the case up in the forty six. So, so who is that person today?
1: Angela Clay is a community organizer uh, who has won in the forty six ward, which covers uptown and parts of Lakeview. Um, this was an open seat with uh, James Kappelman retiring, longtime alder, um, and uh, Clay really sort of ran on a position of more services for housing, mental health, which is a really big issue, um, in Uptown, uh, which has sort of historically been a, been a site, a seat for, for those services in the city. Um, so those are going to be big issues here, uh, as well as, um, just sort of ongoing uh, gentrification and the, the way the neighborhoods have changed a lot over the years. Um, so we will be interesting to see how she how she tackles those issues.
0: Yeah, one of the big questions is how is this new mayor going to work with this new city council? On one side, you've got a mayor who's maybe hoping to uh, expand their own powers, get their own agenda through. And on the other side, you have a city council that has recently made more moves to be independent but, but again, with so many new faces, there's so much possibility for coalition building, for new relationships. Uh, so, so we'll see if it looked anything like uh, the last administration. Uh, For full results, please check the show notes where we've got links to the Chicago Board of Elections. Also, check out our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, for more details at Chicago.CityCast.FM. Thank you for listening to us. Shout out to lead producer Carrie Shepard, to producer Simone Alisea, our newsletter writer Sidney Madden, uh, for all the work y'all have done during this election season. And now, you know, the real work starts. Obviously, we ain't going nowhere. We're going to be back here tomorrow. Hopefully, you'll join us. I'm getting the wrap it up symbol. They're telling me to wrap it up, B. Wrap it up. Wrap it up.